some shit I wrote about when I was broke. See the power of the mind is not a joke. Man, I said that I would do it and I did. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Steve, and welcome back to Golden State of Mind, the podcast where we focus on mindset and improving our future. As always, welcome back to the show. And if you're new to the podcast, thank you for taking the time. If you get any value out of this, please share it with friends and family so we can all continue to grow. And for those who don't know about me, my name is Steve. I'm a tattoo artist who has been tattooing for over 10 years. I own a shop. I've traveled the U.S. I have people travel to come get tattooed from me. I've won awards. I've been booked for months in advance and trying to continue to grow and improve my skill, my craft, become a better artist, become a better person, and just improve so that not only I can win, but those around me can win at the same time. And by doing this podcast, I'm able to share some of my experiences and stories with you guys so that you can possibly grow faster than me and learn from some of my mistakes so that we can all reach our goals and live the life we want. Today, I'm going to get into a story and I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about my past. I'm going to tell you guys about the time I got shot. I don't think most of you guys will ever have to experience this, hopefully. And if you do, I pray that you guys recover 100% and you guys don't have as crazy of an experience as me just know that anything can happen at any time and you should always be careful and be aware of your surroundings and who would have thought that out of all people all places I would have been shot for those who don't know me I'm not gang related I'm not a troublemaker I'm a pretty chill dude when I'm out and about I'm pretty quiet, I'm not getting drunk, I'm not partying, I'm not the center of attention. I'm just one of the guys holding up the wall, chilling, talking in a small circle, and hanging out. I'm not out at places that I don't know people, just so you have an understanding of the type of person I am. So, let's rewind back to when I was 19 years old. So, I was still super young, and I had just graduated high school, and I I was going to school, I was working, and I was just a normal 19-year-old. Nothing crazy, nothing different from anybody else. I was hanging out with my friends. We would go to parties on the weekend. We would just hang out because there's nothing to do. And that's what people do at that age because they have nothing better to do because they haven't really figured out their goals or ambitions. And they're just kind of in this limbo state of I'm finally free and I want to hang out. So we were at a friend's birthday we were all at a house hanging out. We we're all just lounging. It's not a huge like party where other people, like everyone knows everybody in the house and there's not really any strangers or, or people who are just there randomly. So as always, people pop up that you don't, you don't know or you don't interact with and they just want to come hang out or drink and they weren't invited to the party because no one really knew them and they just, they didn't get along with some of the people at the party also for whatever reasons and so when these people showed up to the party they were asked hey this isn't that type of party it's not like uh anyone can come it's just for us friends people we know so you guys gotta go and whatever happened words were exchanged there was disagreements i don't know i wasn't in the circle i wasn't involved and they ended up fighting they beat that guy up and they told him he needs to get the hell out of here you know like he didn't listen or for whatever reason they had their issues and that guy left situation's over you think 
it's never over. They're always like, I'll be back. I'm coming back. And sure enough, he came back. And he came back with all his friends. He came back with his family, his homies. But they came back like he said he was. And he came back and they all rolled up. They all jumped out the car. Whoop-de-whoop. What's up? Who's the person who beat up my cousin or my friend or whatever? And so they're all in the front yard. Three, four, five, six guys. I, I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. I was just on the sidelines in the front yard talking to one of my friends and all this started popping up so we turn and we're kind of like watching and trying to figure out like what's going on like who are all these people who just rolled up and what's about to go down and sure enough the people on our side of the house came out and was just like you guys gotta leave again you guys aren't welcome here and if you guys continue to keep tripping on us like things are going to escalate and they were just barking you know like whoop-de-woo and just trying to be tough guys and they wanted to, they came wanting to fight because they came to back up their their friend or their cousin or whoever it is that they were backing up so they came with the intent that they wanted to cause problems they came for revenge and so one of the guys on my side realized that you know what like these guys aren't going to leave because there's nothing stopping them from leaving and he happened to have a gun on him so he kind of flexed on them and was like hey you guys need to get back this is what we got and you guys need to get the hell out of here you guys want to keep barking is there going to be a problem because if not then you guys got to go and that kind of was like okay like i'm gonna step back a little bit okay i'm not i'm not gonna bark anymore this guy's serious and so these guys all decided you know what like we ain't gonna mess with them this guy's strapped up and they all decided to leave mind you not I'm on the sidelines talking to my friend and we're just kind of like watching all this in slow motion thinking like, are we about to get down? Um, are these guys about to leave? Like what's going on? Next thing you know, I'm laying down and my friend's kneeling next to me and talking to me saying like, hey, are you okay? Steve, are you okay? Get up. Hey, Steve, are you okay? Get up. And I'm looking at him laying on my back and I tell him, I can't, I can't move right now. And everything just kind of like slow motion, like slow talking and like gaining consciousness back. And then I realized what just happened. I got shot. So everything in between I blacked out in because of how quick everything happened. But I had gotten shot and he was laying next to me and he was trying to talk to me and then I started gasping for air and having trouble breathing and I started panting and so he applied pressure onto my chest because we didn't know where I was bleeding from I had on like a, a dark brown hoodie I had on uh, I think like a black t-shirt so everything was dark so I couldn't see where I was bleeding from or what was going on and I just couldn't get up and I was like call 911 call 911 I'm going to die. Call 911. And he was like, you're not going to die. You're going to be okay. Like, just chill, man. Breathe. You're going to be fine. I didn't know what happened because the bullet hit me and it instantly made my body black out and shut down because of the trauma that it caused ripping through my body. And after everything happened, I found out the story. But what had happened was they left and as they were driving by that they had a gun too 
as they were leaving the party, they just decided to spray the house and just shoot it up. And whoever they hit, they hit. Which is a super stupid and fucked up thing to do. Because there are girls there. There were younger dudes there that were like 17, 16. There were older people there. I don't know if the parents were there or not. But there were a bunch of people who had nothing to do with it that were there. Including me. And it just so happens, as always, when people are shooting, they never hit the person they want to kill. They never hit the person that they're intentionally wanting to because they all suck at shooting and they end up hitting the innocent bystander or the person who's not involved. And that just happened to be me. Lucky me, right? And the bullet went into my chest. It went through my lung through my kidney and out my back and then I fell to the ground and basically was dead and my friend that I was talking to he said all I saw was you I heard bullets shooting and I heard you drop to the ground so I dropped to the ground too because I thought you were trying to not get hit by the bullet but it turns out I did get hit and the crazy thing is I was standing in front of him so if I wasn't there he would have been the one who would have gotten shot. So I'm happy that it was me rather somebody else in a crazy way that it seems. And so now we fast forward back to me laying on the ground, breathing. I can't breathe. He's holding my chest, trying to trying to help me. He calls 911. Everyone's standing around me. They're like, back up, back up. Steve's going to be fine. And he's holding my chest and I'm gasping, you know, saying like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, tell my parents, like, I'm sorry, tell them I love them, this wasn't their fault, Uh, let my mom know, you know, like, I love her, I'm sorry, and, you know, I'm gonna die. Everyone that gets shot, what are you gonna think? You're gonna die, especially getting shot in the chest. And so, I don't know how long it takes, seems like minutes and hours at the same time, but I'm laying there, the ambulance finally gets there, they tell everybody to scoot back, Uh, cops get there, and they, like, they have everybody like seated and you know they're going to end up questioning everybody about what happened and try to figure out you know what the situation was with the shooting how it happened who was involved and all that kinds of stuff they take me they get me all situated put me on the on the stretcher put me in the ambulance and take me to the hospital to try to save my life um as they're driving they're telling me it's going to be okay i'm kind of like in and out of consciousness they said i lost like tons of blood um i don't remember the amount but it was a lot there were uh i think it was a crazy number like seven to eight pints of blood which is like the size of a water bottle so i lost a lot of blood and they took me to the hospital and they they had me all all uh wired up with everything and they were just trying to keep me alive In the process of taking me there, I had passed out again and my body was just shut down and in shock and pretty much running out of energy to stay alive. When I got to the hospital, they like tried to rush me in and they made sure, you know, it was like, does he have insurance? Does he have all these things? Like, what are we going to do with him? Where's he going to go? And my, my parents were there and they got to see me. And I just remember like holding my mom's hand, just apologizing and telling her, you know, like, I'm sorry, this wasn't my fault. I didn't mean to like, you're a good mom. If I die, like, 
just know that you're a good mom. I was saying all my goodbyes and just wishing her the best and just apologizing and telling her to not let this affect her and to go on living her life. Don't let this stop her from living. Um, she was like, don't talk like that. You're going to be fine. Don't talk like that. You're going to be fine. And so like, they're going to do the surgery and they like make sure that I'm like fully conscious. And they're like, Hey man, like we're going to try to save your life. Uh, the doctor is like talking to me. We're going to save your life. Hang in there, Steve. Be strong. We are going to save your life. So keep fighting. I was like, I'm fighting, man. I'm fighting. And he was like, before we go into operation, I need you to sign this paperwork that lets you know that we are going to do our best to keep you alive. But if you die, you will not sue us and you will not take any actions, any legal actions to try to hurt us. And I was like, just keep me alive, man. Um, I signed the paperwork and they were just kind of like, this is the situation we have. It went through your chest. It went through your lung. It went through your kidney and it came out your back. Luckily, the bullet came out your body. Um, they never found the bullet, but I believe they assumed it was a 40 caliber, which is a pretty big bullet compared to like a nine or anything like that. So with a smaller bullet, for those who are unfamiliar, a smaller bullet would bounce around in my body because it's not as strong and it's not as powerful so because it's smaller once it breaks into my skin that would have slowed it down and then it would have started to hit my organs or bones or anything like that and it would have bounced around or it could have maybe even gotten stuck and lodged into my body which then could have caused more problems because it was still inside me they would have to find it or it would have like bounced around and hit more organs and possibly killed me but because this bullet was so big, it just ripped straight through me. Um, and luckily, it didn't kill me also. And so I signed all the paperwork, and they get me situated to go into operation. And he quickly breaks down for me, hey, Steve, you know what? Like, you're losing a lot of blood. We're going to try to operate on you as quick as possible and do an emergency operation and try to keep you alive. The bullet has gone through these parts of your body. Um, it's super close to your spine, like one inch away. And your your lungs are bleeding. Your kidneys bleeding. And we're going to try to save you. What we're going to do is cut you from the side. We're going to cut you pretty much on your whole like rib. Um, it's going to be a pretty long cut. And we're going to try to sew you up and fix you from the side. If for any reason we have any complications or things don't work, our second alternative is sew you all back together, close your ribs up, and then we'll have to operate from the front. And we're going to cut your chest open through the middle. We're going to crack your ribs open and fix you all on the inside and then shut you back and sew you back up through the front. So this is all like I'm about to die and I'm just like super overwhelmed. I don't even know if I'm like uh, conscious at this moment or not and like the funniest thing, the only thing I said to him was just like, I was like, am I going to live? And he said, yes, you're going to live. And I was like, is there going to be a scar? <laughs> and he was like, that's the question you're going to ask me right now. You're about to die. And that's the question you're going to ask. Is there about to be a scar? And he was like, don't worry about it, man. You're going to be a movie star by the time you get out of here. So hang in there and just keep fighting. And I was just like, whatever, man. Like, I don't even know what I'm saying. Just keep me alive. They take me back and... Uh, put me under sedation and I'm out and completely gone and they operate on me I don't know how long it takes my, my family's in the waiting area my friends are in the waiting area um, there's people at the party still waiting 
and hanging out. I believe I got shot like around nine o'clock or 10 o'clock. So it wasn't too late. It was still fairly early in the night. And I had not been drinking. I had not been doing anything. I was 100% sober my behalf because if I was drinking or, you know, on anything or did anything, my blood would probably be thinner. I'd probably have more complications or they would have to do a few other extra things to try to like sober me up or help me with like my blood thinning. So luckily I was sober and my body was pretty much at its best that it could be for the operation. While I wasn't getting operated on, uh, cops were still doing an investigation. People were still sitting around and having to give their statements. And it was a crime scene because there was a, a, a shooting. And of course, young kids, stupid kids doing dumb things just so happens the people who shot me were so amped up and had so much fun and they felt so good for shooting up the house that they went to another party that was an open like flyer party where anyone can go hang out and stuff that was in the same city and they went to go hang out there and drink and kick it and like have a good time because hey we got away we we just showed them we went there we blasted those fools and you know like we got away ain't shit happened there's no consequences why would you say that to anybody i have no idea but it just so happens they said it to our friends who happen to have brothers and sisters and cousins or boyfriends and girlfriends that were at this party so now you have our friends who are at one party and police are investigating them and questioning them and then you have our other friends at another party who are hearing about a shooting that these guys did put two and two together they text one another hey are you okay i heard that there was a shooting yes steve got shot oh my god well those guys are here at this party oh my god those are the guys call the cops and they end up getting arrested stupidity what goes around comes around you make dumb decisions you say dumb things, dumb things happen. And so now all those guys get arrested and go to jail for attempted murder, um, possession of a firearm, and whatever other other uh, felonies that they tacked onto it as to what they did. So they ended up getting arrested. Backtrack now, whoop, back to the hospital. They're operating on me and I'm pretty much about to die. They're doing what they can to keep me alive and they're trying to figure it out, do the best that they can. I don't know how many hours goes by. They end up finishing the operation and they end up coming out and talking to my family and letting them know, you know what? Steve was able to make a full recovery. We were able to help him and we were able to sew up all his organs. He's going to do okay. And from what we can see now, he's going to have a hundred percent fully successful recovery. He's very lucky that it didn't hit his spine. He's very lucky that it didn't mess up any of his arteries. He's very lucky that his lungs didn't fill up with blood. He didn't have any internal bleeding and he doesn't have any organ failures from any of the damage that's been done. I'm a very lucky person to be alive. It wasn't my time. And then they went back into the hospital to finish doing their thing. And now my friends are either going home now, they're relieved, you know, like there's only so much they can do at the hospital. My, I think my parents go home and they're like, he can have visitors um, the following day or two. He's going to be in ICU for like intense care. 
I'm in there and I'm like fully paralyzed and unconscious. And I just remember like not being able to talk because there was a tube in my throat. I was in bed. I wasn't able to move. The nurses would give me like a sponge bath and they would like clean, uh, clean my body. They would have like these little machines that are like squeezing my thighs to make sure I don't get any blood clots because I wasn't moving. And so that it would circulate my blood. I was just stuck in that state for probably like three to four days. And I was just in extreme pain. And I was still like confused 100% as to like what is the final outcome. Because I hadn't heard anything yet. They hadn't reported it to me or told me about my situation. I was sharing the room with a guy and I just remember like he was in a coma and he was completely like unconscious and his family was always in there visiting and crying and just holding him and there was a lot of crying involved and then on my side of the curtain I had like only only my family was allowed to come which was only my mom and dad and so they were there and I couldn't talk to them but they would just be there to be there that's all they could do is just be there to support me. After those three or four days of being in the intense intensive care, they were able to pull out the tube out my throat and allow me to be able to like start breathing again and talking. And my throat was just like shot from the tube being in my throat. I would eat the little uh, ice, like little ice chips and just kind of suck on those to try to help my throat from the soreness they finally were able to just put me into the regular care i had a drip tube and i had a drain inside my ribs so that i wouldn't have any blood fill up or i wouldn't have anything uh any buildup inside my body and i wouldn't get any infections or things like that so i had like a, a tube that had my blood coming out from the surgery and i had a little breathing device to help me to build my lung capacity up because the bullet had gone through my body and had fucked everything up. And so I would have this little breathing thing. And every time I would breathe in it, it would push up this little ping pong ball. It would go from like number one to number nine. And I would have to breathe through it. And the goal was to get the ping pong ball up to past the number seven or eight. And that would show that I have a strong enough lung. That would be considered normal breathing. And by the time I had got transferred into the regular unit when I would try to blow that ball I could barely get it to two or three I still had a lot more to go so that I could build my lung capacity up and show that I was healthy and I was able to go home I just remember sitting in bed and I started to be able to have visitors I had tons of friends come visit me when I didn't have visitors I would be training and I would be working on myself so that I can try to get out the hospital as soon as possible and they always encouraged me to try to walk and exercise so that I can get my mobility back and get my strength. I would use a walker and I would just pace back and forth whenever I wasn't allowed to have visitors after hours or whatever. I would just be pacing back and forth and trying to build my stamina back up so that I was healthy enough that I could leave the hospital as soon as possible because I didn't want to be there. I had already been there so long. I did that for about another three or four days where I was just breathing with the tube and working out my lungs and walking up and down the aisles trying to build my stamina and not get winded or out of breath. My ribs were all taped up and stapled 
and I could barely move my arms up and down without fully stretching my muscles because everything was so tight from the operation. It felt like it was going to rip. So I had to be very gentle and careful with everything that I did. I started to have enough progress to where they were now going to allow me to go home. And before they took me home, they were going to take out the drain pipe and allow me to recover. And then they were going to release me. I'm in Loma Linda Hospital and they have like, they're one of the best hospitals in California and they have like tons of learning and students and everything like that. And I remember like every time the doctor would come in and check on me, he would have like four or five students, you know, writing notes and listening and watching and basically just apprenticing and shadowing him to learn. And so the day came where they were going to take out the tube from my ribs and they were just like, who wants to volunteer to take out take out the the drain pipe and you know one of the guys is like i'll do it raises his hand and he's like super happy and i have no idea what's about to happen and so they're like okay cool um steve i need you to just kind of like roll to your side and and just sit up and it's gonna be you're gonna feel like a little sharp pinch but it's not gonna be that bad all right and so he kind of puts his left hand on my ribs to hold it down and then he puts his right hand on the drain pipe. The drain pipe, if anyone has ever seen, is probably like the size of a thumb. And I don't know how long it is because I've never seen it. I just know it's in my body. And he says, all right, Steve, just relax. I'm going to count to three. And when I hit three, I'm going to pull it out. I'm like, all right. He says, one. Whoosh, rips it out of me. It felt like I had just gotten stabbed. If anyone has ever had a drain pipe from anything where they're draining it or like a catheter or anything on that type of feeling that is how it felt felt like i just gotten stabbed he ripped it out of me that thing ends up being like seven or eight inches long all the way into my organs and he just like yanks it out of me and then puts his hand on top of it and like puts a band-aid what the hell um and so things just get worse i'm in pain i'm suffering i don't feel good uh, my lungs don't work i just got shot i have all these staples in my ribs i don't remember how many staples but it was like over 30 i know that and they finally allow me to go home they say i don't need any physical therapy as of now and as long as i just keep working on myself i should be able to recover within the next few months that was how my experiences was getting shot it sucked but I made the most of it, and it was a great learning experience. It, it ended up doing things for me that I would have never realized. It took me months to recover. Um, I remember not being able to put on deodorant for almost eight or nine months to a year because the pressure of the deodorant stick on my armpit, I could feel through my ribs because of the surgery. I remember not being able to lift my elbow past my shoulders as far as like bending it upwards because how tight my ribs were they felt like it was going to rip um i usually weigh like around 150 pounds and after the surgery and leaving the hospital i weighed 110 pounds i might have been 105 but i'm pretty sure i was 110 pounds so i had lost almost 40 pounds after the operation and just being in the hospital
and they gave me they gave me morphine they gave me norcos they gave me vicodin and they gave me all these painkillers to try to help with the the pain to ease the situation and one of the weird things is i don't know why but for some reason i wanted to feel the pain and i didn't want to take any of the medication and i never took one pill i don't know why i wanted that but that was the the that was the decision I made and I ended up not using any of the pills and just going through the pain and in my head I think it was because I wanted to experience the pain because I knew it would make me stronger and what doesn't kill me will make me stronger in a stupid way I don't know why I thought that I don't know why I didn't want the help but being stubborn and stupid I didn't do it and I went through the pain and the suffering and I'm pretty sure it made me tougher. I'm going to hope so because I hope I didn't go through that pain for no reason. I pray and hope that no one has to experience this. I hope that none of you guys ever have a situation where you're getting shot at. I hope you guys never have to get shot. And I hope you guys don't even know anybody that gets shot. It's crazy to have experienced it. It's crazy to have lived through it. And I wish that upon nobody, even though it's probably one of the most negative things I could have ever experienced in my life. And experiencing it at such a young age, at 19, is like I had just graduated. I haven't even left the nest. I'm barely about to start flying and I'm already getting clipped. But it wasn't my time to go and God had a bigger plan for me. And he kept me alive, obviously for a reason. And at that time, I didn't know what the reason was, but I was appreciative and I was thankful to not die. I was thankful to have a second chance. And some of the lessons I gained from this was always be careful about who you surround yourself with. Because even though you are good, even though you're innocent, even though you are not part of the problem, when you are a victim, there's no bullets don't have a name. They'll go anywhere they want. And if it's not a bullet, it's a problem. There's drunk drivers. There's other people that want to start fights. There's all kinds of negative things that can happen at any time, at any place, at anywhere. And as long as you're out and about, you know where some places are that are good and some places are that are bad. You know where problems can happen and where they can't happen. And if you can control some of that, by all means, I always recommend it's not about being scared. It's about being smart. And if you can keep yourself away from places where problems could happen, I always recommend that. Even though the place I was at wasn't dangerous and wasn't a place for trouble, trouble still came to us. One of the other things that I got out of this experience was it made me appreciate my life so much more. I don't know if this is just something that like people with near-death experiences get to experience, but not everyone is fortunate enough to experience a near-death situation. But if you are, almost 9 out of 10, those people who experience it, including me, something clicks in your brain to where you now appreciate your life, you understand that your time is ticking, and you start to not take it for granted. You have this sense of urgency where it's like, I got a second chance, and I'm not going to waste it, and I'm going to take advantage of it. And a lot of times people who never experience this near-death experience, they never get this 
kickstart of wanting to like do something and have a sense of urgency because they're just so comfortable. Sometimes they can experience it, you know, when someone close to them dies, it puts into perspective that life is not permanent and life is short. But to fully experience it for yourself is very rare. And, you know, maybe someone getting into a car accident or, you know, something happening to where it's scary enough to to scare them or them having a, a scare from the doctor telling them that they may be diagnosed with something. It doesn't have to be as traumatic as getting a bullet to the chest or something insane like that. Near-death experiences can really change someone's perspective. And if you use it to your advantage, it helped me to have a sense of urgency to want to get stuff done and do something with my life. It also made me appreciate all the small things I have because a lot of us are so quick to want so many different things. We want the nicest shoes. We want the nicest car. We want the status. We want all these things for people to look at me. Look at me. I'm important. I'm popular. I'm cool. I have status. When in reality, it's like, I'm just happy to be alive. And I tell myself that every day. That's something not everyone thinks about. And I'm fortunate enough to be able to still be breathing. I'm fortunate to have a full recovery. I'm not paralyzed. I I don't have any complications. I'm able to still work out and do things and be healthy. It hasn't affected my life in any way. And I'm very fortunate for that. I'm very lucky. If I could ever meet the people who saved my life that day, I would love to meet them and thank them personally. But I have no idea who they are. They are my angels and they saved my life and they kept me alive. And honestly, they probably, keeping me alive, saved so many people. Because if I was to die, so many other people would have suffered and it would have hurt so many other people. It would have made my mom suffer. It would have probably put her into a depressive state to where she ended up dying. It would have put the people who shot me... um, as murderers and they would end up probably doing life in prison or something crazy on that part Uh, my friends that were involved they probably would have felt some sort of regret or some sort of blame like why did I start that fight why did I flex that piece why did I do those things if I did something differently we wouldn't have lost Steve that day but fortunately I was stubborn enough to not want to die because I got shit to do and I didn't die because of that. I appreciate every moment of it. I appreciate being alive and I'm thankful that it was me because honestly, I feel like if it was somebody else, maybe they would have died. But because it was me, I was able to pull through and what doesn't kill you literally makes you stronger. And I just happen to be that guy. I don't look back at it as me being a victim. I don't look back at it as it was my friend's fault for the things they did. I don't blame them. I don't have any grudges and I don't hold anything against them. They're still my friends till this day. I still know them. I still love them and I still care about them. The people who shot me, I have no hard feelings towards them. They were young. They were dumb. They made poor decisions. They paid their consequences. They went to jail. They got in trouble. They paid their fines or whatever it is they had to do. I hope that they learned their lesson. I hope that they don't hurt anybody else anymore. I hope that they've changed and they move on with their lives and they're doing better. I have no want or need or desire to have any revenge on them. Even though I know they were trying to hurt 
my friends, but they just didn't do a good job at it. It is what it is. And because of that energy, I feel like I'm able to move forward with my life. I'm not able to hold any grudges or have any resentment. And because of that, it allows me to focus all that energy on doing me, on winning, on being the best that I can be, and doing what I can. And I project that energy back to you guys so that you guys could feel it, you guys could vibe off it, and you guys can grow and, and move on the same frequency that I move on because that's the only way to move forward. If I wanted to ride on them, if I wanted to get them back, it's just a ping pong of energy going back and forth of negativity. And eventually someone's going to get hurt, someone's going to get locked up, and more problems are going to happen. And you can't solve negativity with more negativity. The only way you can solve negativity is with positivity. And apparently karma works the way it says it is. And what you give back is what you get in return. And when I show love and I give love and energy back to even the, my enemies, even the people who hurt me physically, emotionally, mentally, I don't stress it because I know I will get back what I give. And so I don't let that change me. And because I don't let it change me, I feel like I've been blessed in many different ways to be able to get to where I am today. And a lot of that I feel is because of some of the decisions I've made in my past. A lot of them I feel were tests, whether you're spiritual, whether you think it's the universe, whether you think it's God, whatever you believe in. We are all given certain tests and we're all given certain experiences. And I believe some of these things in my head were tests to see how I treat it, how I handle myself and the decisions I make, and if I decide to go left or right. And depending on my decision will determine where I end up in my life. And it just so happens that I feel like I made some of the right decisions, which helped me to get to where I am today. But hey, you'll never know because... That's a higher power that's out of our control. All we can do is believe and vibe off the energy that we give one another. And it's crazy because in my head, like I've never said this out loud to anybody or, or addressed it, but in my head, I feel like I really, like I died that day when I got shot. I feel as if I died and the life I'm living now is almost a dream life. It's, it's like... I got to restart and I got to have a second chance and I'm basically now this finding my purpose to give back and to help others and I think that's what my true calling is and my true purpose is to be able to help people because that's what gives me joy that's what I I like seeing and that's something that money can never never make me feel you know Money solves the tool of being able to pay my bills and take care of myself. But helping other people is the true success and true flex that you should be proud of. And, you know, it's like I feel like I died that day. And now it's my opportunity to be a fallen angel that's giving back to everybody else. You know, that's something I've never spoken to anybody about out loud. It's just something I've always felt inside. And when I ask myself, like, why, why, now I look back, why did I stay alive? What was the reason for me to want to stay alive? What was the reason it wasn't my time? And it was because 
I had to go through more things to build my experience. I had to go through getting shot to appreciate my life. I had to go through losing everything to go to jail and make bad decisions so that I can experience not having anything so that when I do have everything, I'll appreciate it more. I had to learn how to tattoo so I could develop a skill. I had to learn how to master it. It took me 10 years to do. It didn't happen overnight because God wanted me to build experience and patience and delayed gratification. He wanted me to build self-discipline and all these skills that are needed. I was able to build an audience. I was able to just be honest and real with everybody. And in return, people understand that. People respect that and people relate to it. And now I'm able to share with people through a podcast. I'm able to talk. I'm able to connect with people. And it's like I would never have been able to do what I'm doing today if I didn't go through all those things all those struggles, all those losses, all those problems that I went through in those times. So everything happens for a reason. All the negative lessons we go through, we cry and we complain and we play victim because it's so hard that we're going through it. But there's always a reason why. And sometimes we just don't know what the reason is until later on in our life. So always keep that in mind or take a look back at some of the things you went through. And instead of looking at it as like you are a victim... Think about what the lessons was that you learned from it and what what was trying to be taught to you. Super crazy life I live. It's a movie, I swear. And if my story can help share with somebody and give them a sense of urgency or appreciation or just a, anything that you get out of this that's valuable, share it with your friends, share it with family, and always share love and always, you know, Take care of the people around you because you never know. Life is short and anything can happen to anyone at any time. Appreciate the things you have in life, you guys, because you never know. Thanks for listening and I'll see you guys. Everybody loves the sunshine, but it ain't all palm trees and women. Indeed, we living in a golden state.